I know you are not hungry, but try to eat to keep your strength up, I bid Samantha as I brought a plate with several grilled cheese sandwiches surrounding a large bowl of tomato soup to the bar in the kitchen. Then I dipped the ladle into the liquid and filled two smaller bowls with the soup. I set one in front of Samantha, who sat on a stool, and placed a sandwich on the saucer of her bowl. Then I sat a bowl in front of me, picking up a sandwich. When she took her spoon and put it into the soup and lifted it to her mouth, I maintained, your dad loved tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches when he was sick, upset or sad. I couldn't feel anything from her but indifference. Almost as if she was blocking me from reading her emotions. I bit into my sandwich, watching her. Did you know before you came here that your mom was not your biological mother? She nodded, sipping her soup. Did your dad and mom tell you who was? Again she nodded, raised her sandwich and bit into it. You knew before you arrived on LVN that I was your biological mother? She nodded, devouring her sandwich. She must have been hungry. I waited for her eyes to meet mine. Samantha, I didn't know about you. If I knew about you, I would have visited, got to know you. I don't just leave my children. We ate in silence for a few minutes before I proposed. I have videos of when your dad and I were young. Would you like to see them after we clean up? She looked down and then up at me. I could see the tears forming in her eyes. I sensed overwhelming grief and almost gratitude from her. I think that is a yes. When she put the last morsel of grilled cheese in her mouth, I took her hands. I miss him too. He and my best friend Zay were two people I could count on to tell me the absolute truth but still be in my corner. She fingered her locket. It is okay to miss them. It is okay to grieve. It is okay to cry. After we finished eating and cleaning up, we settled onto the couch. I activated the terminal in the coffee table, causing it to rise from within. I cued it to play the videos. This is your dad and I on our first trip to the beach. Those are your grandparents lying under the umbrella. The ones on the red towel are your dad's parents. The ones on the blue one are mine. Your Aunt Abby is the one building a sandcastle. Samantha moved closer to me and wept. I took her in my arms and let her cry on my shoulder. The grief in her mounted. I scratched her back and held her until she calmed and fell asleep in my lap. Several minutes later, the doors chimed. Every time I tried to move, Samantha whimpered. Chip, identify visitor. Dr. Andrew Morgan. Chip, permit him entrance. The door split open as Drew walked in the living room. He still looked as handsome as the day I met him so many years ago. He wore a white lab coat that covered his mint-colored scrubs. Black bags marked his otherwise rugged features as if he'd been wrestling with a demon all night. It took a lot for him to do that. He used to sleep better than most people I knew. What was keeping him from sleep? I felt sadness coming from him. More than sadness. More like regret. How can I help you? I can see you are busy, so, Drew maintained, surveying me from head to toe, let me grab the diet monitor, then we can see how you are doing. He seemed resigned and depressed somehow. As he moved down the hallway, Chip announced, Dr. Dakota wants to know if he can reschedule your meeting to tomorrow at 1400. Tell him that is acceptable, I returned, resting my head on the back of the couch. When Drew returned, pushing the diagon monitor down the corridor and to my side, Drew asked, Dr. Dakota. As in Dr. Mitchell Dakota, psychiatrist on the Liberty. Are you seeing him professionally? He sat on the L portion of the couch and hooked me up to the diagon monitor. He pressed a few buttons on the screen. I am, I agreed, raising my head to look at him. 
I noticed his eyes appeared to have red spiders on them, and his brow seemed to be permanently wrinkled as if he thought about something too long. He gave me a sidelong glance, putting his tongue in his cheek. How long have you been seeing him? I was talking to General Graham the day you came back. He wanted to put you on leave until you saw someone. I told him that was a bad idea. I glanced from one end of the couch to the other, then whispered, a few months, probably closer to six. Graham didn't know until Dr. Dakota ratted me out several days ago. He searched my eyes for a moment. I told him the Alex I knew would never willingly see a psychiatrist. I sensed a longing in him. Perhaps for the life we had. Maybe for the friendship we once possessed. Drew, I said with grave deliberation, the Alex you knew is dead. Too many things have happened for me to ever be her again. He stared at me as if he'd been shot but had not fallen yet. I realized my tone made my words harsher than I intended. Then he moved his eyes back to the diagon. Monitor. He touched a few more buttons. I am sorry. Regret again. This piqued my curiosity. I rubbed Samantha's back. Sorry for what? Sorry that Alex is dead? Sorry that the drug for the Bakir syndrome is not working? Sorry that my arm is not healing? He glanced over at me. Your arm is healing nicely, and the drug is working better than expected. He turned to me and repeated, I am sorry. He met my gaze and took a deep breath. Sadness with a mix of remorse and regret. I put you through undue pain. I accused you of cheating on me. I believe for years that you did, but I know better now, and I am so sorry. He looked down, then up at me. I don't know if you could ever forgive me. I know I would have a hard time forgiving you if our roles were reversed. I basically called you a liar and a cheat. No, you did call me a liar and a cheat, I responded, and for the first time, I felt nothing. I felt no anger toward him. Instead, I felt what I always felt when I saw him love and compassion for a man I used to know, who used to be my partner in life. I tilted my head to the side and required, what convinced you? Reading the information? Or was it when the president called you? Embarrassment with a sense of familiarity. Both. She was so persistent that I read the information that she waited on the line while I did so. He held my gaze and put his hand to his heart. You are right. This is the kind of project I want to be a part of. If I would have swallowed my pride and read the information sooner. She wants you to head the project. Are you going to take her up on it? He moved, sitting on the portion of the coffee table not occupied by the terminal. I am. She and I have figured out a way for me to stay on board as your CMO and still head the project, but it requires you to head the project with me. I took a deep breath and steepled my fingers together in front of my face. Let's review my life at this moment. I command the LVN. I am working a murder case for the IAB, and I am the mother of now three children. Not that I am complaining. Where exactly am I supposed to fit heading the project in? He locked eyes with me and touched my hand. You and Zay are already involved in the project as it is. The president says you practically run it now. I just need you to be in an advisory capacity. I sighed. Advisory, I can do. We remained silent for a moment. Then I frowned before admitting, I don't feel angry toward you. Not like I once did. Armed with what facts you had and what limited information I could give you, I get how you came to the conclusion you did. I looked away for a moment, then returned my eyes to his incredibly sad ones. It frustrated me, though, that you didn't understand I was telling the truth. 
I felt like you really didn't know me even though we spent 10 years together. I was afraid, Alex. Afraid? Of what? That you were going to finally realize I was out of your league, he revealed, leaning closer. He gave me a sad smile before continuing, You are so beautiful, so smart, so ambitious. I believe that one day, you were going to leave me, he sighed, looked away, then moved his eyes to mine. When you kept leaving and giving me an excuse about a top-secret project, I believed I was right. I couldn't believe at anything else because that meant I drove you away based on my unfounded beliefs. I felt relief from him. I laughed. You are a handsome doctor who loves to help those who are less fortunate. That's why you joined the Freedom Alliance. I used to be insecure, especially when those young nurses would fawn all over you. You had nothing to worry about. I only loved you. You didn't either, but I know what happened with Dominic didn't help. We both became different with each other. I sensed incredible sadness and inner conflict in him at Dominic's name. He nodded. I will agree to that. Things were so dark for me. Me too. Samantha stirred and said, Mama Alex, is there any more of that soup left? Yes, it is in the kitchen, warming on the stove. I will get it I started, inching to the edge of the couch. She swung her feet around so they touched the ground. I'll get it. I'm going to eat it at the bar, if that's okay. She felt conflicted. She loved her parents. I could feel the sorrow in her, but I also detected a sense of relief. I wondered what that was about. That is definitely okay, I responded, then watched her disappear into the kitchen. I leaned in and whispered, that's the first time she has spoken since she arrived. When I saw her eating at the bar, I proceeded in a low voice, I am still trying to wrap my head around her. It seems incredible to me that Ethan took my eggs, the ones he and I stored in case neither of us had children by 40, and implanted them in another woman to create Samantha. I am not upset that she is here or that she exists but about what Ethan did to get her. I slapped the couch. She is my daughter, though, and I missed out on 15 years of her life because they were in danger. If they didn't die, would El have ever known? My Quan Pad chimed. I stared at it. I felt my blood boiling. Drew contended, calm down. Whatever is on that screen is not worth getting high blood pressure over. Concerned riddled him. I looked up at him. My parents have this sixth sense about me hiding things from them. They are coming here to see Abby and me. They want to meet Abby's new boyfriend and the new addition to my family. How did they even know she was seeing anyone? And how did they know I have an addition to my family? They cannot know she is mine and Ethan's. He was clear about that. Drew rubbed his chin and studied me for a moment. The problem is that she looks too much like you to deny she is your child. What if we were to do some face masking on her just while they are here? What story are you telling them? I nodded and consented, that would work. I was going to tell them a friend of mine died and left me custody of his daughter since I am the godmother. However, with Ethan being murdered, they are going to put two and two together. I think I am going with she is a child I am adopting. They will be here tomorrow. I have to get back to the hospital, but I will do whatever I can to help, he decided, rising to his feet. He moved to the doors, then turned to me and wondered, do you think we can start over? Get to know the people we are now instead of the people we were? I sensed a glimmer of hope, coming from him. I gave him a small smile. I think I'd like that. After all, we are going to spend a lot of time working on the project together. We ought to get along. Thank you, he uttered, 
searching my eyes for a moment before heading out the doors. A wave of relief ran over him. Samantha came out of the kitchen and leaned against the doorframe. How long were you and Dr. Morgan together? Ten years. Wow. That's a long time. I sense a lot of sadness and regret. It feels like there was a traumatic event that happened. Like a deep loss that has wounded you both. She closed the gap between us and settled on the portion of the coffee table Drew vacated. I gave her a sidelong glance and pressed my eyes together. You are an empath too, aren't you? When she nodded, I determined, definitely my child. I am one too. She glanced down, then up at me. My mom Scarlett used to say I was too sensitive. I always wondered if that was why she was indifferent with me, like I was dad's child and she was just helping raise me. Or if it was because I was not her biological child. I felt a lot of resentment coming from her toward me. She seemed incredibly sad when she talked about the mother who raised her, making me wonder why Scarlett would feel resentment toward a child she wanted so much. You weren't close with your mom then? She shook her head. I'm sorry. I'm not close with mine either. I was treated differently by my mother growing up too because I can sense what people are feeling. I leaned forward and put my hands on either side of her. You are angry at your dad for leaving you, but you are also curious about me and my other two children and how you will fit into this family. There was some kind of tension, some kind of conflict, among you, Ethan and Scarlett that has made you relief to be here. You had another child, didn't you? I contorted my face grotesquely at hearing the question. I insisted, standing. I like to draw and paint when I am feeling too many emotions. I motioned her to follow me. I navigated around the furniture, down the hall and ducked into the guest bedroom. I have a studio in here if you ever want to paint, draw or do anything creative. She followed me into the room. She leaned against the wall and observed, you just shut down completely like you put up a wall to protect your emotions. Like you did when you first got here? She glanced down, then up at me. Have you always been an empath? Most empaths are born that way. I am no exception. I walked over to the table, pulled out a chair and sank into it. I picked up my sketch pad and started drawing. My mother had her five best friends over for bridge and tea when I was six, and I told her friends their real feelings toward my mother. Samantha laughed. She pulled up a chair and selected a pencil and sketch pad. She began doodling. My mother told me it is not polite to tell people what they are feeling. I worked hard to shut down my emotions, so she couldn't call me sensitive, I continued to sketch, glancing over at her. Although you can hide who you are, you can never change it. I am an empath. I didn't ask to be. However that is who and what I am, and so are you. We spent the rest of the afternoon, drawing, while I talked to all my contacts to see what they knew.